Oh, well, I hope you all had a good week. We had a great week last week. Uh, I think we set a record for the longest service uh, ever in any church ever. Um, so I think it was like two and a half hours, which, yeah, she liked it, okay? I liked it too. So um, what an amazing time that we're seeing in Christ church where everyone's losing their grip on the world and finally sort of the illusion that they have control, the illusion that they can figure it out is going away. And as that happens, there's only one rock, and that's Jesus Christ. And as that happens, there's two ways to go. They can keep trying, swimming with the crowd, we know where that's going, or they can reach out to you, Christ Church, and see you standing on the rock, and that's what we want. We want people to come to know Jesus. So there's a virus going around, um, a pandemic. I am not talking about coronavirus or any other virus you've probably heard of. Um, virus I'm talking about infects the mind, infects the soul and the spirit of man. Viruses, they infect, right? And they kind of spread from person to person. And they can cause all kinds of issues within the body, right? Even up to sickness and death. We call an uninvited bit of code that goes into a computer and causes that computer to go haywire. We call that a virus too. Something that gets in that's not supposed to be there that really messes up the system. If you ever had a virus in your body or a virus on your computer for that matter, you may have an idea of how devastating a virus can be to the system that it enters. We're going to study today what I call the naturalism virus. The naturalism virus. Naturalism is just a set of beliefs um, about nature and the universe. Um, and the basic premise of it is pretty easy. The universe is all there is, right? You may remember the old saying, the universe is all there is, all there was, and all there ever will be. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds so smart, but it's not. It's not. But that's naturalism. Basically, uh, a bunch of stuff and a bunch of processes, like physics, is all there is. There's no God, there's no soul, there's no spirit of man. There's no such thing as love or justice or morality. There's only stuff. There's just stuff and stuff that does stuff because of natural laws that cause stuff to do stuff. That's naturalism. That's a simple version, okay? Stuff. Just think about it like that. It's nothing beyond that. There's nothing really going on in your mind. It's nothing really. You think you love your kids? No. Chemical reactions. That's all that's going on there. That's why you feel that way. That's naturalism. The fact is that while there's a number of people who say that they believe naturalism, they believe the premises of naturalism, there's actually very few people that really do, okay? A relatively small number. And even the people who do believe in it don't have good reasons to believe it, and they cannot live a real life as if it was true. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the idea of naturalism has become like a virus. It's become like a virus. It's infected the world and sort of spread into all kinds of areas of the way that we think, the way that we live, and the way that we make decisions. I was talking last night to my son, Ethan. He's the kid in here. Kid. He's a man, okay? He's 18 years old. In here playing the drums. Single ladies, if you're wondering. Um, 
Oh, he's going to be so mad at me for saying that. <laughs> if you've ever seen a really deep color of red, it's over. He's sitting over there. <laughs> Just kidding. He's okay. Um, he made an interesting comment about young people. I told him I was going to talk about it today. Uh, he said that when young people are given an iPad or whatever, like these screens, like these things, right, or, the, or a phone or an Xbox or whatever, that they end up spending so much time with that thing that over time they end up downloading their personality. They end up basically taking on who they are, the way they act, the things they say, and so on, from what they've essentially downloaded or looked at on these screens, all their time spent in front of these screens, all the things they see and hear on these screens. Now, apparently the term downloading your personality is not original to Ethan, but I thought it was a really a great metaphor for how people develop their worldview. I think that developing your worldview normally happens without much thought without much thought. We've talked about this before, but it's just becoming more and more apparent to me. You are going to develop ideas that will shape the way you think about who you are, about what your identity is, about what you think about other people, about the way you should act. And those, and those ideas that you're picking up from this iPad and these TikTok videos at 10 years old may affect the way you're going to live for the next 80 or 90 years. And you won't even know where it came from because you caught it like a virus. And one of these ideas that's affecting people is the idea of naturalism. I know nobody, none of us are going in, turn on Netflix, right? Pick a show. We're not thinking to ourselves, let's shape our worldview. Let's shape the way we think. That's why I'm doing this. We think, I'm tired and I want to go mm, for a while and watch this show, right? That's basically what we're doing on YouTube. Whatever. We're entertaining ourselves, but we don't realize that everything is preaching to us. Everything. And these ideas are getting into our system whether we realize it or not. Naturalism is baked into all kinds of different ideas like evolution, relativistic ethics, that's like saying what's okay for you is okay for you and what's okay for me is okay for me. I'm sure you've never heard about that, but there are people who believe that. It's baked into ideas about sex and the way we view sex now, just something people do, just an animal, right? Just, just an animal action that we take. It's baked into ideas like science is where real facts come from and things like morality are just opinions. All of these are naturalistic ideas. It's not always obvious, but like a virus, which is invisible to the eye, right? You can't see it with your senses, but that infection can sure make you sick. That's how it works. Now, a naturalism virus doesn't actually make you believe in naturalism, that thing I told you about. The universe is all there is and just stuff acting on stuff. Very few people actually believe that. It doesn't make you believe in that because, of course, that idea itself is nonsense, okay? Um, in fact, C.S. Lewis, Alvin Plantiga, and others, uh, even Darwin, recognized that the idea of naturalism cannot be true, that there's no God and that stuff is just stuff. And here's, here's why. This is the basis of their argument. If the universe is all there really is, and we only exist by the accident of atoms and molecules banging against each other over billions of years of chance... And we have evolved to think based on 
what thoughts are sort of best for the survival of our species, then we have no reason to believe that the thoughts we have are actually true because we were determined to think them based on things bouncing around in random chance. And if our thoughts cannot be true, the thoughts that we have cannot be true, then if we think naturalism is true, then it can't be true. We have no reason to believe that it's true. Now, that may be a little hard to follow. Let me put it a little bit more simply. If the universe is all there is, and there is no design for humans, then all that has happened has happened by chance and time, randomly. If that's true, there's no reason to think that what our brains are doing is finding truth rather than just going through a physical process that has nothing to do with truth. And if that is the way that things work and we're predetermined to think that way, then thinking that naturalism is true would necessarily make naturalism false. You'll have to go back and watch the video if you didn't get it the second time. <laughs> the idea of naturalism defeats itself. So I'm not saying people generally believe in it. Most people see that. There's simply no good reason to believe it. People have known that for a very long time. Some people believe it in spite of the fact that it's obviously false, but you know people do that. They see things, everything tells them it's false, but they continue to believe it. For instance, there are still Ducks fans who think they're better than the Huskies. <laughs> that football, of all things, like cross country maybe or something, right? But come on, come on, come on. For some people, there's nothing you can do, right? I've realized that over time here in the Northwest, but you cannot live as a naturalist because naturalists don't believe there's any such thing as morality. See, this is a big problem, and I'll tell you why. Because when you don't believe there's any such thing as morality, then you don't believe that there's really any valuable difference between Mother Teresa and Hitler. See, she did whatever she was determined to do based on the molecules that were bouncing around in her brain. He did whatever he was going to do, and you don't make any judgment on which one of those is better or worse. And see, people don't like people like that. People don't like you who think like that, right? Mother Teresa, Hitler, what's the difference, right? It's a good way to get canceled on Twitter real fast, okay? There's a serious problem with that. No one wants to be around you. If you believe that, people are going to think you're a sociopath, and they're probably right. You can't tell your wife or your husband that you don't have to be honest with them or loyal to them because you're a naturalist, right? And naturalist, naturalist, dishonesty and disloyalty are just as good as honesty and loyalty because good doesn't have any meaning. You're not going to have a husband or wife if you do that, or, or friends, or a job, uh, if you live like a naturalist. So nobody does. Nobody does. Even the people who say that it's true, nobody does. And my point really isn't here to argue about the truth of naturalism. I've actually done that in the past. You can go way back and look at some other stuff in the skeptic series. I've talked about that. That's not my point today, whether it's true or not. It's obviously not true, okay? It's morally uh, repugnant, evil, and it's illogical. So it's definitely not true. My point is that people have been infected by the ideas of naturalism just enough to affect them in such a way that is devastating to the soul and spirit of man. Just enough. Just enough. Those effects have done the following. They've made people believe that they have no real value. And that other people, not just themselves, have no real value. You have to understand that sort of the naturalistic slash Darwinistic theory of life on earth has become so persistent that people are unaware of how much it has affected them. Now, when I say naturalistic Darwinian, I'm talking about the idea that there's no God, that man has evolved over millions or billions of years by chance, by accident, and by natural selection or survival of the fittest, okay? 
According to a Gallup poll in 2019, only 40% of Americans believe that God created man and woman in their present form. Like that he created man and he created woman and they looked like us. Okay, only 40%. 33% believe that man evolved from lower life forms, but God guided the development. He couldn't figure it out at first. So he was like, amoeba, then we do this one. And if we just change that, that's, that's what they think, okay? And then about 22% believe that man evolved from amoebas. We don't know where they came from. Aliens or something, right? But that God had nothing to do with it. So about 55% are like, yes, we came through this process. Only 40% would say, no, God created us as we are. So a majority of the people in this country believe one way or another in Darwinian evolution, which frankly is going to bring in naturalism even if you want to say you're a Christian. See, here's the problem. You can say, I believe in God. And you can say, I believe in this. And we do it all the time, right? We can, be, we can hold m- multiple thoughts that are inconsistent with one another. That's the problem with most of our worldviews. That's why we have the scriptures, because they help us break all that down. So we start to hold a consistent view of the world so that we know truth. But you can believe two things. The problem is, is that you believe that there's a God, but you believe in ev- the evolutionary process as Darwin described it. You're going to have a problem because that process and the whole idea of it is derived from and comes out of naturalism, a belief that there is nothing beyond stuff. And God is not stuff, so there can't be a God. This is the problem. Many of these people who I just talked about who believe that are Christians. According to these statistics, some of the people listening to this right now, believe that man and woman are the result of some kind of evolutionary process, either with or without God involved. And I don't want to get into the science today. Okay? I don't have time for that. You all don't have time for that. I can't do another two and a half hour service, and it would be a lot longer than that. But I will tell you this. I do not find the Darwinian evolutionary model remotely compelling intellectually, and I certainly do not find it compelling biblically. Okay? The point here, though, is not about what people believe about evolution sort of in the front of their mind. If you said, what do you believe about Darwinian evolution? And the answer they would give you. That's not even what I'm concerned about. Most, here's the truth, okay? Let's just be honest. Most people don't understand any of it. They don't understand any of it, one way or the other, right? Like evolution, it's what the scientists say. How many things have we said? Well, that's what the scientists say, so that's, that must be what's true. And the scientists, they act like they're really, really smart, and they ridicule anyone who doesn't buy into their religious dogma on this issue, naturalism and evolution, so we don't want to be thought of as dumb. We're so worried about looking dumb. Look, at the end of the day, there's only one group that's going to look smart. That's the group going to heaven, okay? So worrying about looking dumb. Now, I'm not saying that means you shouldn't care about thinking. You know me better than that. I'm just saying the fact that people ridicule is not what makes a good argument. It's not what makes a good argument. And, I, and again, I'm not going to get into all of that. But I'm worried about what people believe in the back of their minds. The virus that infects the back of their minds. Because for the umpteenth thousandth time, they're watching the Discovery Channel. Because there's some, now it's all reality TV on those channels now. But, but some, you know, velociraptors became chickens chickens became hedgehogs and hedgehogs became Glenn, right? That's the, 
I know that's not the exact way that they say it, okay? It's not true. Glenn has not evolved from a hedgehog. They have way too much hair. In any case, oh, kidding, kidding. Oh, I'm not going to let him preach for a while because he's going to want to get me back on that. That's what, that's what you hear, though, over and over and over and over. And you may be like, oh, that's dumb. I don't believe that. But it just keeps getting in your, in your mind, in the back of your mind. And it starts to affect the way you think. And that's a problem for a number of reasons that are devastating to us as humans. When people have that ideology creep into their worldview, it affects the way they think about their value and their identity and the value and the identity of other people. It can't not do that. It's going to do that. There's an ethical philosopher, a philosopher who does a lot of ethics. His, guy, his name is Peter Singer. Peter Singer believes that animals are basically equal to humans. Okay? Basically, they're equal to humans. And he says, if you don't believe that, if you believe that you're more valuable than an animal, you subscribe to something called speciesism. And he says, that's just as bad as racism. Speciesism. So, if you think that stupid chihuahua rubbing its butt across your carpet <laughs> is less valuable than the human beings living in your house, you are a speciesist. <laughs> Listen, this is serious, guys. I, I don't want to ridicule. You have to. <laughs> it's what he says, okay? It's what he, and this is a smart guy. But listen, it follows if you're a naturalist. If you're a naturalist, you're not any more valuable than anything. The rock over there, the animal over there, whatever. You're not more valuable than anything if you're a naturalist. So he's just being consistent. And you can cancel me if you want, but I am a serious speciesist. I got a speciesist problem. I don't think that cows and humans are equally valuable. It's not even a contest. One is a precious creation made in the image and likeness of God. The other one tastes good with ketchup on a sesame seed bun. No offense to any cows listening online today. Don't email me, cows. See, they can't email. That's the whole thing. They're dumb, okay? Normal people don't think about cows like Peter Singer thinks about cows, okay? Or like PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals. To them, ethical treatment means you treat them like you treat yourself. To me, ethical treatment means we're responsible to steward the earth, okay? God put us in responsibility, so you shouldn't abuse animals. You shouldn't do those kinds of things. Occasionally, you might want to eat them. They're very tasty, but ethically, right? But to them, ethically means, no, no, no. You got to treat them like a person. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, we are treating people, and have for a very long time, treated people horribly. We have, as a, as a, as a group of people. Okay, I'm not talking about you people. Because we've begun to lose sight of the value we have as men and women and children. Now, the series that is planned, this one that we're starting today, is planned to be, Lord willing, at least four sections long, okay, including today. The plan is to kind of walk through the value and purpose of who we are, and then to walk through specific groups, men, women, and children. 
For those of you who are thinking, I only need to come for the one that I'm part of, like we're going to have a service where there's just children in here, right, or whatever, or just women or just men. Listen, you need all of these. Women, you need to understand men better. Men, oh my gosh. <laughs> Seriously, right? Okay, can I get an amen? You don't understand women, okay? There's like books and books written about this, most of which are nonsense, but... You need to understand that we all need to understand the value and the importance of children. So don't miss. And as most of you know who have been here for a long time, if you miss these things, they build on each other, okay? So you might find yourself lost. These aren't single episodes just made for whatever. This is a study of God's word that takes time, okay? So uh, I would recommend not missing, not missing. Here's the verse that blows up naturalism. It's not hard to find. It is actually the first verse in the scriptures. You can find it. There are Bibles in front of you if you don't have one with you today. Of course, it will be on the screen for those who don't want to use a paper Bible and whatever. You know, at least these screens are giving you something, downloading the right personality for you. Here's the verse, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's a reason why that verse is up front. It's the reason why we come right out with it. It's meant to be there. Not with any room for like interpretation. Well, it could mean that God, nope, it just says it really clearly. God created the heavens and the earth. No arguments, no interpretations, doesn't leave room for it. Because right up front, we got to understand who God is, what creation is. The world did not arrive by random natural forces. It's nonsense. Something can't come from nothing. The only uncreated is God. Clearly, the universe is created. We know because we know, even scientists know that it used to not exist. They're like, it just, boom, it came into existence. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, that would be crazy if there wasn't a big banger, right? There's no big bang without a big banger, okay? Regardless of how we're talking about the big bang, <laughs> right? You got it. Somebody's got to do it. If we just wait here long enough, we're not going to see a universe, you know, come into existence. And if we did, at least there's something actually here that could make it happen. If there was nothing, it can't, I don't even get into it. It's crazy. God created the heavens and the earth. That's the way that it is. And it is at the basis of any understanding of who God is and who we are. That he's created, that there's nothing random about it. There's no blind chance. There's no such thing as luck. We use that word all the time. I try not to use the word luck. You know, well, with any luck, uh, use the word providence, okay? Because that's all there is, is providence. He created knowingly and powerfully and with a plan. You may look around and be like, I don't see the plan in the world. There's a plan. The more you understand about God's word, the more you'll understand the plan. Get in that end time study. You want to really see the plan across time. They're doing a fantastic job of showing that. Later in the chapter, first chapter of Genesis, we read this. Start in verse 26 here. Where is it? There it is. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I mean, that is, oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. It's crazy. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. What's more important? Man, right? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. Mm. Over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's everybody sitting here. That's everybody listening online. You're one of those people. This is, this is the kind of mind-blowing truth that should absolutely shake your world apart if you understand it. It should shake your world apart. It's vital to inoculating yourself against the naturalism virus. It's the, this is, let's not talk about other vaccines. I don't want to hear any booze or anything. This is the vaccine, this verse, okay, against the naturalism virus. You've got to understand that God created everything, and then more specifically, that he created you, male and female, in the image and likeness of God. It is, there's no other animal, no angel, no one spoken about in the scripture that is created in the image and likeness of God except you and me. That's it. Us. That is something. You have to understand how amazing and important and special that is. You've got to let it sink in. There is no other being that God talks about as being made in his image and likeness except for you men, women, and children. And me too. You're not just an animal. There is a constant refrain, not just on the Discovery Channel, but sort of everywhere, certainly in public education, even in some Christian education, where they teach something that people call theistic evolution, that you are essentially an animal a little smarter, right? But those dolphins, they're so smart. Dolphins are stupid, okay? <laughs> they don't do math. They, they, don't do, they don't read. They don't do anything, okay? They're stupid. But, we, but you see why we always want to find these smart animals? Because the idea is they're, they're kind of like us, right? They are not like you. They are not like you. You are made in God's image and likeness. You are not just some higher form of an ape or a hedgehog or an amoeba. You're an image bearer of God. That comes with some amazing truth, but some amazing responsibility. You bear his image and likeness. He is your creator. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you, speaking to God, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. That has some implications we're going to talk about when we talk about children. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Worried about the way you're made, worried about the way you look, worried about whether you're good enough, smart enough, tall enough, whatever. Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God says about you. You sit there and you look for other people to tell you that when they don't know anything. God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. This means something more significant than most of us realize. And I know most of us don't realize its significance. You know how I know? Because I watch so many people, so many people, it's heartbreaking, who struggle with their own value. You were made in the image and likeness of God. 
You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Before God spoke the world into existence, he knew you. Everything about you, every hair on your head, every day you would experience, every laugh, every cry, every scraped knee, and every hug, there is nothing God does not know about you. You ever wish that your friends or your spouse or your brother or your sister, whoever would just know you a little more, that you could feel a little more known? You know, it's nice to feel known and appreciated. Before the universe was created, God knew you, made you, wanted to be with you. How often do you spend time thinking about God, knowing everything about you? How often do you spend time praying with God as to one who knows everything about you and loves it, loves you? He knows you better than anyone else ever will. He is the one that you can have the closest relationship with ever. He's not just a genie who we come to to go, God, I know you're powerful. I know you're good. I know you're powerful. I can't find my keys, right? <laughs> That's a lot of kind of our prayer life. At least mine, sometimes. I lose my keys a lot. Right? There's too many times where we come there and says, saying, God, you have thought more thoughts about me than, than, than thoughts that I will ever have. That's amazing. I love you. Let me feel your love. How often are we doing that, really thinking about it? How often do we contemplate the beauty of who God is, the one who loves us that much? If you're in Christ, he's going to give you a name that only you and he know. You will have a secret with God from everyone. That's pretty amazing. I don't even have secret names for you. I do, but that you don't know them. Only I know them. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> Wouldn't be funny if it wasn't true. No, I'm just kidding. It's not true. It's not true. He knew everything that you would ever experience, every insult that you'd ever hear, every rejection that you'd ever experience in your life. But people's thoughts don't matter compared to God's thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his thoughts for you are love, affection, desire for relationship. Remember, he also knew every time you would miss the mark, every way you would reject him and rebel against him, he knew every time you would sin. And he still brought you into existence and gave you life. And the way he fixed that is he came to earth to die for you and he rose again. It's pretty amazing. What is, he, what is he doing? What is this? He came to rescue and save those who he loved so much that he made them in his own image and likeness. Those that he loved so much that before the foundation of the world he was thinking about. Crafty. Creating. He was not going to let us in our own sin keep us from him. You cannot 
know and understand and think about these things and feel defeated or self-conscious or afraid. If you don't understand these things, you cannot feel defeated or self-conscious or afraid. So if you're feeling defeated or self-conscious or afraid, you are not meditating your heart on these truths about who you are. God made you in his image and likeness out of affection and love for you. Think about the thing that you've put the greatest effort in your life into, whatever that is, okay? Whatever that thing is, you wanted to become good at basketball, you're an artist, you're a, uh, you know, you're, you're a plumber, you're a uh, pastor, you're a whatever it is you do, whatever the thing is that you've become the best at, that you've worked the hardest to become the best at, or the thing that you've made that's the greatest thing, nothing, nothing in comparison, not one ten-thousandth in comparison to the amount of time, effort, energy, thoughts, affection, and love that went into just you when God created you. You have not even begun to think and care about anything as much as God thinks and cares about you. And you're walking around afraid and self-conscious and defeated because some puny insults, comments, rejections, whatever from the world who understands nothing have been made. We've got to think well about these things. We've let naturalism, the virus of naturalism, infect and spread in our world to the point where depression and anxiety and suicide and fear and hostility have become epidemic. I literally looked at Facebook last night. You know, you, you look at it, you're checking stuff. I post stuff for the church and, and that kind of thing. Cat video from time to time, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cute stuff. They want to show me this video in the little video section. Video section, first thing that pops up, these guys literally having this fist fight brawl. And you'd think it was for a great reason, but the reason they were having the brawl, one of the guys reclined his airplane seat and the other guy didn't like it. Dude, those seats recline three inches, okay? <laughs> it's not like, ah, it's like, like, is this even a thing, right? That's, that's how they are. Talk to Buff about it afterwards. He'll take complaints. He, he's a pilot for <laughs> Alaska. He'll let him know you don't like it. I mean, the seats are so big and comfy to begin with, right? It's like they got the little rails, and I'm like, boop, you know, <laughs> boom, down into that thing. I'm always watching to make sure people don't see as I have to pull that, that thing all the way out to get that belt. It, we, I don't want to talk about it. Look, why are you making me feel bad? I was made in the image and likeness of God. Anyway, these guys are brawling straight out, punching each other on an airplane like there's a lot of space to have a fight, right? On an airplane, they're fighting because one guy didn't like the fact that the other guy wanted to recline his seat three inches, if it's even three inches. This is where we are. You do not do that. If you believe that you are made in the image and likeness of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, and so was that other guy that you're about to punch. You don't act like that if you believe that. You know when you act like that? When you believe that nothing really matters and that we're just animals anyway and that I should act however I want to act when I'm not getting the pleasure that I want in this moment. That's what the infection does. That's what it does. Tell them I'm not here when you answer that. Not, I want to talk right now. You're struggling, if you're struggling, 
because you don't live in the truth about who you are. Jesus Christ would not have become a man if he did not love you passionately. Why would he? It's a lot of pain involved in that. Whatever you've done, whatever you think your shortcomings are, none of that, none of those things, negative things that you think about yourself, and that worst day that you've ever had, none of that even stopped for a moment God decided to send his only begotten son to save you. He still wanted you. He still wanted you and was willing to die for you. So maybe those things you think about yourself just simply aren't true. If God says you're his child, who are you or anybody else to say anything different? He planned you from eternity past. Before he made the universe, he knew you. Because you're made in his image and likeness and from his love, he has a plan for you. We hear that, right? That's like a coffee cup Christian thing. God has a plan for me. And we kind of like, okay. No, he has a plan for you. He didn't be like, I'm going to think about every little inch of this person and who, and who I'm making them and all the gifts that I'm giving them and whatever, but we'll see what they do with it. That's not how he did it. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He planned a plan for you. He actually has real, important work for you to do. If you don't know that, and you get nothing else today, understand that. There is real, important, eternally valuable work for you to do. You're probably already doing it and not realizing it. You can't sit around feeling sorry for yourself when God has called you into valuable, fulfilling work specially designed for you. Don't come to him in, in the end. And he says, what'd you do with what I gave you? And say, I didn't really know what your plan was. I didn't know that you had anything for me. And so here's your talent that I buried in the backyard with a bunch of dirt and roots hanging off it. Don't do that. He's got stuff for you to do. Real stuff for you to do. This is for the Christ follower, okay? If you've not chosen to follow Jesus Christ, then you're dead in your sins. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You're living in your sin. You are not living as a child of God if you are not in Christ. But here's some good news. You can be in Christ. One way or the other, you need to understand this and remember this, you are going to exist for eternity, whoever you are, because God made you and made you in his image and likeness and thought about you before the foundation of the world and all that kind of stuff. You were not made to be temporal. You were made to be eternal. Either you will spend eternity in the loving arms of the God who made you and loves you and thinks about you and this relationship that's going to blow your mind, or you will spend eternity in the place that was never made for men and women at all but rather for the devil and his angels in a lake of fire. That's all real. This isn't a metaphor. It's all real. One way or the other, you are not simply going to die and experience nothing, which is the hope of the naturalist. Well, when I die, it'll all just go away. They're going to have a very rude surprise. But I don't think they'll be surprised. Because I think you know in your heart that it's true that you were made to be eternal. What in us says to ourselves, we should die. Nothing. Death is unnatural. Now, whether you're a skeptic, an atheist, an agnostic, or an apatheist, as we talked about, you know that death is unnatural. You were made for something more. This is what C.S. Lewis says. Remember that the dullest, 
most uninteresting person you can talk to, I'm sure you all have somebody in your mind here, may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Because you're valuable, because you're important, there's a lot of responsibility. And there's only one way to experience relationship with God, only one way to spend eternity with him. It's only one way to the Father who created you, and that is through his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection. That's it. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Becoming a Christ follower takes submission to Jesus as Lord of your life. You have to say, Jesus is Lord. He's in control. He's in charge. And believe that God raised him from the dead. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's that eternity. That eternity with him. When you're a follower of Christ, you've begun the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. That's the way you were created to be. When we talk about God thinking about when we talk about God originally creating male and female in his image and likeness, we're talking about before the fall. After the fall, all that image and likeness has been all kinds of marred and messed up by the fall. Or we're not who we should be. But when you become spiritually alive in Christ, you start to be conformed to the image of Christ and become who you were created to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then we can fulfill our purpose. Because you were made for a relationship with God and good works. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship. God spent the time to make you. You think he spends the time to make things and then wants to throw them away? Or think they're not valuable? No. Created in Christ Jesus for Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He didn't just make you. He didn't just think about you. He's not just still thinking about you. He actually prepared from the beginning works for you to walk in. Good works. Who are you? Incredibly important. Incredibly valuable. I'm telling you, before the foundation of the world, God was thinking about your plan. You're that important. You're that valuable. Because the most important one says you are. He says you're valuable. He said it with a cross. He said it with the empty tomb. He says it in his word, and he's still saying it. Through me, through you to one another, that's who you're supposed to be. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is the message for the world, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. What an amazing thing. How could you be unimportant? How could you be what the naturalists keep trying to tell you that you are? What every movie and every television show and everything that comes out and everything that you see on these screens wants to keep telling you that you are just an animal, just an accident, just a body. There's no soul, there's no spirit. You're just a body kind of going around. Things are happening in your head and you just, if you love somebody, it's because you feel that way. There's no real thing. There's no real justice. There's no real hope. There's no real eternity. There's none of that. How could that be when God says you're important, when God says he has an eternal plan for you? 
This has implications for everything you do, both in your love and affection for God and your love and affection for your neighbor. Next time you want to yell at your wife or your husband or the driver that just cut you off, I know you don't do that. Got the Axe Church sticker on the back of your car, please don't. Remember this, you were made in the image and likeness of God, and so were they. It's got, to affect, it's got to get in you. It's got to affect you when you're making a decision. Should I lie about this to this person? Should I sleep with my girlfriend? Right? Should I steal this thing? Should I not show up when I said I was going to show up? Everything that you do. Well, wait a second. I was made in the image and likeness of God, and so were they. This is someone who God cares about, who God thinks is important. If it's his child, is this how I would treat him? If God was standing right here, because he is. Next time you feel, and we'll close with this, maybe. Next time you feel that the world is against you, I want you to remember this, Romans 8, 28 through 31. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, that's you, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's you if you're a Christ follower, right? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, those he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you live in that? We're not living in it as a people. I'm not living in it. You're not living in it enough. The more that we do, the more that we see what happened last week. Baptism after baptism after baptism. The less that we do it, the less excited we become. We got to live in it. We got to stay in it. Listen, nothing can happen to you that you need to fear. You got to believe that. Nothing can happen to you that you need to fear because you're eternal. Death can't hold you any more than it held the one that came before us, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if you're going to die, oh well. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Nothing can happen to you that you need to fear. We just keep reading on. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He sent his son. What do you think is holding back from you? Nothing. Because you're important. Because you're valuable. Because you have an identity in him. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Stop worrying about it. He's right there making intercession for you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Stop living in defeat. Stop living in shame. Stop thinking you're not valuable. You're not good enough. That's all nonsense, and he's telling us right here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to do it? Let's see what we need to fear. Okay, let's see what we need to fear. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Maybe. Let's see. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What should we be fearing? Well, none of those things. The world's spending all their time fearing these things. It's all they talk about. 
We don't have to fear them. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. If you can live in that, if you can live in that, you can change the world. If you can live in that, God can use you to change the hearts of your neighbors and your friends and your daughters and your sons and all the people that you're worried about. Stop worrying. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Are you going to go through trouble? Yeah. Is it going to hurt? It's going to hurt. Do you have to fear it? No. Because in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Why? Because you're valuable. This is not a promise to the animals. This is a promise to those who are made in the image and likeness of God. It's not even a promise to the angels. It's you. It's you that has this value. And it's the person sitting next to you. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Which means you also have to love yourself. You can only love yourself if you understand how valuable and important you are. I can love myself when I know that God loves me. Otherwise, it's a little hard. It's a little hard. Same for you. I can love you if I know that God loves you and made you. Without that, it's a little hard sometimes, okay? <laughs> but he did. I'm walking around talking to immortals. You're not ordinary people. You're not ordinary people. The naturalism virus is infecting the world. People are fearing that they're worthless. Why else would everyone lie to them and treat them like garbage all the time? Why else would the world be as messed up as it is? People are afraid. People are lonely. You seen that? I hope you're seeing that. People are sad. People are hurting. And much of that is due to the fact that some men who were deceived came up with a demonic idea in the 19th century that they were smart enough to do away with the need for God. And what they really did away with was the idea that any of us mean anything. And it was a lie then, and it's a lie now. They were wrong. Don't believe it. You are not a random collection of atoms and molecules banging together by chance. Okay? You're not. You're made with a purpose and a calling by a God who loves you and will never leave you or forsake you. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Why do you have his power and might? Because you're his child. Because he made you in his image and likeness. Because he thought about you from before the world began. Because you're more than a conqueror. Because of all these things. Your identity is in Christ, created for an eternal purpose. Do not listen to the world. This is so important. Please, start thinking about the things that you're taking in and asking yourself, what is this saying about who God is? What is this saying about who I am? What is this saying about who my neighbor is? Next time you want to go on that computer and look at something you shouldn't look at, men, that's someone made in the image and likeness of God, God's child. You better be careful. You better be careful. Next time you want to treat someone in a shabby way, better be careful. These are eternal people made in God's image and likeness. So just as Paul instructed Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And what is the word? The word here is that God created the heavens and the earth. 
and that he created men and women in his image and likeness, and that you have value, and that you're eternal. And if people understand that, then they can be made ready to hear that they've messed up and that Christ has saved them if they'll just accept him and his love. Time is short. You got to understand that. You're important. Your work is important. Know who you are. Know who your neighbor is and live like it. Put your chin up, Christ follower. You've been washed by the blood of the lamb. You are made in the image and likeness of God, our father. I love you. He loves you. Love yourselves and one another. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would show us the truth of this. We, we know we can hear it, and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good, that's good, that's good, Lord. But then we wake up the next day, and something happens, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. God, take that away. Let's just live in it. Will you, put, Lord, put it in our hearts, deep in our hearts, that we don't forget it? that we treat ourselves with the love that you've shown, that we serve you with a passion for the one who created us and knows us better than anyone. God, let my relationship with you be what you want it to be. Let me see with the eyes that you have for these people that you've created in your image and likeness, each one with amazing talents, gifts, and abilities, whether they see them or not. Let us all see them. Let us bring them out in one another. Let this place just be stirred up with the passion of your love moving forward. And Lord, let people be drawn to it. I want that. I believe that. I can't believe this world that says I'm worthless. I know it's not true. And let us baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all that you've commanded. Because Jesus, you said you're with us always, even to the end of the age, which is where we're at. Be with us this week, Lord. Amen. Listen. If you need prayer today, head back to the prayer room. It's just right back through these doors, past the bathrooms. There's a room back there. I'm going to ask that any elders who are here will go back there. Any other pastors, go on back to that room. If you don't know Jesus today and you're like, I, what you're saying is true. I know I'm valuable. I know I'm important. The only way you're ever going to understand and live in that is if you're living for Jesus Christ. If he's Lord of your life, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, because that's your only hope. Without Jesus rising from the dead, we're dead in our sins. And all the importance that we were made with is going to be worthless because of the things we've done. If you need to accept him and follow him today, go back in that prayer room. Put your chin up. Be tough. Don't be embarrassed. Go back there and say, I need Jesus. And we'll show you how to become a Christ follower. If you want to think more about it, take one of those Bibles in front of you. Take it home. It's our gift to you. We love you here, whether you're online, whether you're in the room. This is not something we do to get rich or powerful or anything else that the world wants. You know why we're here? Because of you. Because we want to serve you and because we want to spend eternity with you because we believe you are eternal. You're not ordinary. You're extraordinary. 